From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is the final part in our mini-series covering some of the haunt-friendly programming from this year's IAPA Expo in Orlando. We've already covered vendors, events, and networking, but there's a final large part of the IAPA experience. Education. New this year were the EDU Talks. Presented live on the show floor's EDU Talk stage, these 15-minute sessions featured tips, tricks, and insights on different topics, and one of those topics was for haunted attractions. Stay with us. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. From Netherworld to Dark Hour, Area 15, and even Hagrid's Motorbike, Gantam goes where other fixtures can't. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. That's gantam.com demo. Okay, back to the show. Fear Factors, creating terrifyingly brilliant guest experiences, was presented on the EDU talk stage by Phil Rayborn. Phil is a freelancer now, but many haunters know him for his work with Hallis Scream at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Here's Phil, recorded live from the IAPA show floor. Let me introduce myself. My name is Phil Rayburn from Rayburn Creative. We're an entertainment partnership that specializes in concept development, narrative design, direction, and a lot of other things. But what we believe is one word can build a world. So today what I want to share with you guys is the word fear, right? How many of you right now have a haunted attraction in the audience? Okay, a couple. And others probably have worked or are involved in some type of involvement in Halloween season. And as you can guess by the title, the biggest draw, the biggest revenue draw for parks and attractions during the year is Halloween, right? So why aren't more people creating those type of attractions? And I'm not necessarily speaking about horror attractions. We're we're gonna kind of set that one to the side on this, but why aren't people using more fear-based attractions year round? Now, we can argue that thrill rides, drop towers, those are elements of fear, right? We're all facing our fear of falling, we're facing our fear of speed. So there are elements of it that we see for those attractions, and those are huge attraction drivers for parks. But what we don't see is an actual play upon fear. So what I wanna do today is talk about that and how we can use fear year-round. Obviously, there's a draw for this, but no other type of attractions really play to that emotional connections with guests, right? Most venues don't even consider year-round fear attractions. Why? It's not demand because we know from demand that people want that type of environment. They want to experience that. We all go to these attractions because in some form or fashion, we want to face our fears. So why don't we see more of those year-round? Some argue, yes, it's overkill. We don't want to waste what we actually put for that particular seasonal event. So it's a question that's out there that I think really needs to be discussed more. So what I would like to do today is talk about how immersive fear-based experiences can be a lucrative year-round driver for revenue, if done properly. That's the question we've got to answer is what are we afraid of? Why are people afraid to do this year-round? Yes, there's a niche for Halloween, but Think about how other things could be used. The argument for too much would dilute the seasonal product. Okay, that's possible. But perhaps there's a way to create attractions through story and through based on fears that wouldn't necessarily dilute the offerings that we have during the Halloween season. 
Let me give you an example. I don't know if you've had a chance to be out to go out to Las Vegas. There is a particular dining experience, high-end culinary dining experience called Blackout. During the experience, you go into a room that is completely in the dark and you eat a meal. You don't see what you're eating. You just experience it in the dark. That's what I'm talking about, is taking that fear of the dark, taking that experience in and being able to face it, but being able to flip it, right, and pivot it. So it becomes an experience about wonderful tastes and emotional connection to the food that you don't necessarily see. So it's a successful venture that is a year-round attraction that's playing upon fear to drive revenue for its guests. That's what I'm talking about. Emotions are the basis for this. Most attractions have emotional connections in some form or fashion, whether it's story-based and the emotion comes from that, whether it's a particular emotion that you feel upon a thrill ride, fear is the same way. It's an emotional connection, the build of excitement, fascination. These attractions offer guest experiences that play upon that. And you think about happiness, joy, amusement, appreciation of excitement, nostalgia, satisfaction, surprise, anticipation, all those are used currently, but we don't see a big reliance on fear. So it's one of the most prominent emotional connectors for your guests. Think about it. We're all afraid of something. And being able to see that fear and confront that fear and use that in a way that's positive and that we would have a positive reaction to it could be a great revenue driver for attractions. And uh, think about skydivers. Skydivers, skydiving, that's a fear of heights. They're able to use that fear to drive that in a year-round attraction. Even the iFly, the indoor flying now, you've still got that. It's still the fear uh, some people have of flying. So it's basically taking those fears and being able to use them in a positive way. <clears throat> There's a demand for heightened reality right now. We see that with the IP attractions that we've got, the large you may have visited some. I know there's an edgy tour going on right now for Volcano Bay. You look at Galaxy's Edge. You look at the Harry Potter exhibits. You look at Meow Wolf. It's all about that heightened reality. It's being able to be a part of that heightened reality. And heightened reality plays really well with fear-based experiences. And if you can create one in a way that relies upon this heightened reality, it allows guests to experience a suspension of disbelief. It furthers the purpose of your story. It's a built-in knowledge, or IP you could call it, of that particular fear that you're using, right? If you say you have an attraction and it's going to be fear of the dark, everybody understands what that is before you go into the attraction. So you've got a built-in IP for what it is, that intellectual property about fear and fear of the dark. It's already built in. People understand that story that you're trying to tell, so they have an idea going into it. Caveat that we need to say about this too, is that I'm not advocating creating fear-based experiences that guests don't understand what they are. As a haunt designer and somebody who builds these attractions, it's always really important to make sure with any attraction that you wanna use a fear-based center for, that guests completely understand it's a safe environment going into it. They know that they can go into it, they know they can experience it, and they know that there's nothing in it that is really going to hurt them. We can talk about creating fear-based attractions, but it's really, really important that that safe environment is kind of 
underlying there. They understand. That's why people, when they go to theme parks, they see, okay, I want to get on that coaster ride. They know they're going to be safe. They're buckled in. They're ready to go. So having that safe environment is really, really important for those guests that want to be willing to face that suspension of disbelief. Fear stories are more than just, sorry, I had to make sure that goes. It's more than just a ghost story, right? Those year-round attractions, they're not necessarily driven by horror. As I said, there's many fears that you can use to base your attraction around. Think about experiential marketing campaigns. And this is where we're really seeing a, a use of it year-round and year-round attractions. Launching for movie and streaming platforms are really utilizing these fear-based pop-up experiential marketing plans and experiences, Stranger Things, Fear the Walking Dead, and those are horror-based, but they're really playing upon those things year-round because they're able to drive revenue and drive attention for their product that they're trying to come out with. So we've really seen fear being used in experiential marketing over the last couple of years that's not necessarily just at Halloween. And we've seen that it can be successful. So again, back to that question, why and can and should we do more fear-based attractions year-round? This one's important to me because I don't even know if people realize that you're actually doing this. There's a fear of missing out right now that's being utilized completely by merchandise venues and, and brand campaigns. I recently saw this with the 50th anniversary Disney stuff that was <laughs> at the market that they were releasing and people were just droves going and grabbing this stuff up as soon as they were pulling it out of the carts from the back. It was fear of missing out. So they're using fear as part of their campaign to make sure that they're selling these merchandise pieces. Whether intentionally or not, FOMO is, it, it, it's actually happening. So again, people have been utilizing fear for years without necessarily realizing that they're doing so. So that when people say, oh, we can never use fear year-round, that's what I really want to get to is because we've been doing it, whether we realize it or not. So if we can take story-based experiences and create fear-based, story-based experiences, we can actually turn those into year-round attractions that will drive revenue. And here's the thing I want to leave you with before we open it up for questions. The take-home is the most important thing. Fear-based attractions like emotional connections with stories. When you go and you experience a story live and you're gonna take that back. Fear-based attractions are really prominent in that because of the take-home, okay? When you go and experience something like that, it leaves you with an emotion, it leaves you with a connection to that particular story or experience. Whether you conquered that fear, whether you experienced it for the first time, it creates an underlying layer that literally you take home with you and it's what you take home that's more important because that's that emotional memory that you won't likely forget anytime soon. Today what I wanted to do is just really broach the subject and broach the question is A, why aren't more people doing this? B, that they should. And then what are the next steps and how can we do this to start seeing more of these attractions? They're extremely popular at one time in the season and taking that popularity and spreading it out through the year. And for smaller venues or smaller attractions or even haunted house owners, figuring out a way to take that fear-based experience and spread it out through the year allows you to build your revenue based on one capital project, 
right? You've built one thing that you're able to spread out the entire year, and it continues to drive revenue for you year after year. So don't just face them, embrace your fears. That's the main thing I want to leave you with today. It's important that these type of environments, these type of fear-based attractions that we start seeing them year round, because I think that that's the next level. When you talk about experiential or experience-based entertainment, you start seeing all of these pop-ups. Last night, we had Ubisoft announce with Storyland Studio that they're making this wonderful experience for their game product in France in 2025. That's gonna be based around video games. And yes, they're gonna have children's games, but they're also gonna have Assassin's Creed, which has a lot of fear-based product in that. It's gonna be a year-based round product that's offered to guests. And we're gonna see the revenue go through the roof for that. And those type of environments, even if you're not necessarily using a horror story, you do not be, a, do not be afraid to embrace those fears and use those fears as part of your campaign to drive revenue for your story. Philip here again. To summarize, the questions during the Q&A section all had to do with extending the Halloween season, which is a problem a lot of haunters have. Here's Phil's response. And you'll see a lot of home haunters and a lot of uh, smaller haunts have started to flip that, especially into the Christmas season. You'll see some of them play with Krampus a little bit. And then into the valid Valentine season, they'll play with kind of the love hurts fear or fear of not having a loved one or, or something along those lines. So you'll see that they're, they're starting to branch out into more of those year-round attractions. But it gets back to my point is that the fear-based attraction does not have to be around horror-based. And more so with a year-round attraction, they should be able to use those immersive environments, but flip it in such a way that they're able to play upon fears without necessarily being about the horror. Let's say that you have an 11 year old that's never gone to a haunt or you have kids that are kind of afraid of that and creating kind of just a spooky environment for them to walk through or really just taking those necessary fears and breaking away from the horror a little bit and, and utilizing it in that way to drive that. And it also goes back to the marketing campaigns too, is how are they marketing it? Because if they go out with the gore and the horror and say, come see us in January. People are gonna go, no. So you've gotta, you've gotta flip it, right? You've gotta make sure that, that think about, okay, we wanna get this story out. We know we're gonna base it on this. How do we tailor it to more of the general year-round stuff instead of the specific Halloween stuff? If they're smart, they'll use it to build their brand for the next year. So they can do it in a way that actually begins to tell the story for the story that they want to sell in the following year. Thank you all. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. I recorded this episode in November 2021 at the IAPA Expo in Orlando. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.